This is the beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. Beautiful, and welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your host, Gymnastic, and you can find me at Twitter at GoldJacketQBs. I am joined, as always, by the one and only Connor Donald. He can be found at Twitter at Connor10, that's C-O-N-N-O-R-T-E-N. We are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB. YouTube, if you're checking us out right now, thank you so much at the TNFF Network or on the internet at truenorthffb.com. It's not really a new platform, but I guess it's still our newest platform. Instagram, truenorthffb. You can find articles, rankings, podcast streams, and so much more. But enough of that. I know you missed me last week. It's okay. Had a little bit of a flu run through the family, but we're back and uh, we're here. And welcome to week 12 of the NFL season. I cannot believe we are saying week 12. It's crazy. Today, we have a very special episode. No guest, just Connor and myself. We're doing the tutty and the muddy. We're the latest boomer bust games and figuring out whether they will stick or not. I'll go bananas times three for the Thanksgiving slate. Sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, where I'm giving you my favorite MKF prop game for the Thursday night football game. Oh, man, what am I now? I'm not 17 for 20 because that went out the window. (laughs) Uh, Right off the top of the head, uh, 20 for 24? I think I'm 20 for 24. And if you've been watching the show or following me on Twitter, then we will wrap up with gold and fool's gold, giving you pretty much the starts and sits for your week 12. But first up, Connor, man, what's up? How you been? Man, I, I've been good. I, I can't believe we're in week 12 either. Um, shout out to to Matt over in the comments. Uh, he just dropped his waiver wire article today over at truenorthffb.com. Make sure you check that out. Maybe try and sneak a grab at one of these players that someone may have missed. Uh, or someone might have dropped someone to pick somebody up. You never know. Sometimes people do that and it, it, it plays to your favor. So definitely go and check that out by Matt. Um but yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. It's it's uh, we missed you last week. I'm sure Craig would have loved to have been on with you, but we tried to hold down the ship. And uh, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job. Now we're here. We're still alive. We got we got viewers. We got we got people people crying to have the show back on. So we're back as always. Um, Connor, man, I really want to quickly just touch on. I love that point. I hope everybody listening actually heard what Connor said there real quick about. Matt's uh, waiver wire clip particle there, but what he said where sometimes the best waiver wire ads are after the initial waiver run when people inexplicably drop somebody because they've had uh, a muddy week, which we'll talk about. And, um, you know, you pick them up because all the signs are there, you know, like a T Higgins say where the targets are there. He's been shit in the bed. Hasn't really been a good wide receiver too, but if a couple touchdowns come in there, 
he'll pick it up. And that's a guy that someone might end up dropping that could help you if you have the roster space. But anyway, neither here nor there. End of the rant. Agreed. You need to understand <laughs> when to bench a guy and when to drop a guy. Big difference between the two. But like you said, exactly, we're going to dive into it. But before we get to Tuddy or Muddy, we will quickly touch on emer- two emerging stars we each have. Uh, of course, they both happen to also be in the Tuddy or Muddy section. So we're going to do a combo Tuddy Muddy emerging star here. Um, I'll start with mine. I got Adam Troutman. Um, super unfortunate. He has an MCL sprain, so he's going to be out four to six weeks, but may potentially an optimal opportunity to wait a couple weeks and wait before if you have a trade deadline in your league. If you don't, even better. Give it a couple weeks, let the wear go away, and then go try and throw him Adam in their deal or get him when he might be cheaper because people kind of forgot he was there or they're seeing the Saints continue to collapse and they're like, I don't want any piece of that offense if it's not Kamara. But I think one thing um, that I notice is that, you know what? I think Adam Troutman can be a piece. I think Adam Troutman and Alvin Kamara are the two most sure thing pieces of that offense. Outside of that, massive question marks everywhere else from wide receiver to certain pieces of the offensive line to the quarterback positions, a major question mark. Um, so ultimately, I think you got to roll with what you know is probably going to be safe. And I think that's Adam Troutman and that's Alvin Kamara in this offense. And whatever they want to figure out in the wide receiving room after, um, we we can we can dive into that in the offseason. But he was, I think he had three straight weeks with six targets. He was starting to boom last week exactly like I had him in most of my starts at pieces as a start because it was up against the Philadelphia Eagles and we suck against tight ends and he was booming. Then he got hurt and Jawan Johnson took, stole the touchdown in the fourth quarter because he couldn't be out there because he was hurt. So I think there is reason to go and get Adam Troutman. And I know that in the off season, he was super expensive because the hype was starting to roll with Jameis Winston and that this offense might look good. And then the whole Michael Thomas situation, everything started to crumble and now the whole team's crumbling. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely in on Adam Troutman. Uh, Jim, do you want to add into this? Obviously he's a tutty for me for dynasty, but do you have anything you want to add? Um, I want to add that most trade deadlines are usually happening this week. Uh, so if you want to go get them, this is actually the perfect time to probably get them, but you're not going to get them at the cheapest price because that owner has saw seen what he has. Yeah, he saw a week. He saw what he's been waiting 11 weeks for because, like you said, he was definitely an off-season hype man. He saw his stock rise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – I think it's a shame that he got the MCL tear or MCL sprain because he was a guy that I would actually be looking to flip right now because you know how I feel about the t- about the tight ends. I feel like it is it's a landmine shit show after the big three. So if I could get anything for Troutman, even again a lateral move and 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 uh, and a trade and a draft pick, I'm all for that, especially at the tight end position. Again, if it's not Kelsey, Waller, or Kittle. I'm not really interested. I'm not. I'm not paying an extremely high price for for Kyle Pitts. Um, me and you and and Ty and Josh talked about that and in the group chat a little bit, but these people don't really know. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but he has the skills to be a guy. 
that you could plug and play every week for a six to eight floor, six to eight point floor. But he also has a very high volatility in that offense when, I don't know, if MT comes back at all to the Saints team. You, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So, I mean, if you get MT back, his value all of a sudden suddenly tanks. It's very much similar to um, MT, actually. It's very similar to how I was praising MT and said as soon as these rumors started to come back with him getting back, I'd be selling because of the hype. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so with Troutman now, if you have owners that saw that week and are interested in him, I'm getting out from him. If you can get a second-round pick from him, I'm getting it. Because do you tell me right now that you can't get uh, a wide res- or uh, a tight end of his caliber on the waiver wire or for a second-round pick? You definitely can. You definitely, definitely can right now. So I would take the second-round pick. I'd actually wait until it accrues a little bit more value closer to draft time and then – I would move for a different tight end then, but that's neither like here nor there. I like it. Now, what about you, Jim? You got another uh, little emerging star sweetheart that we're going to talk about. Yeah, my guy is also a preseason training camp hype, buzzing, ladder climbing stud that all of a sudden plummeted, and guys were scrambling. Guys, some guys dropped him in leagues. Um, I accidentally dropped him in one league and immediately because I fat fingered it immediately talked to my commissioner and said, that was the wrong person I wanted to drop. I was trying to put them on the uh, IR spot because you, you have a spot where you can put guys on the res for various ailments. He said, are you sure you really want to keep Elijah Moore? That's right. It's Elijah Moore. Now his breakout might've came since Zach Wilson has no longer been behind the center, but it doesn't matter. You've seen what the training camp buzz was about with him. He can do some mm-hmm. damage. He can do a lot of damage. And thanks to the offensive snap count provided by the one and only Coach Craig, this guy has seen 86, 78, and then it was going down, right? 48, 41, he had the bye week. But now it's been steadily climbing as it's been 57, 60, 56, 80, 80% last week. Now, while he didn't run as many or didn't play as many snaps as, as Corey Davis, he did damage and he's going to continue to do damage as elijah moore sees targets because what is the lifeblood here you want opportunity right drops Mm -hmm. don't matter we said right drops don't matter when it came to deontay johnson last year because drops were an indication of target volume that he was getting the volume guess what he's not doing he's not dropping them he's not really dropping them he's seeing at least six targets every single game barring two this entire year uh, let's see, week seven, eight, nine, 10, and 11. He's seen at least six targets. He's on six, six, eight, six, and 11, which is crazy. Last week, he was the wide receiver one overall. And two weeks before that, he was the wide receiver three overall. Overall. And I think two weeks ago, it might have been Michael Pittman. But this guy is on fire. Over the last four weeks, he scored four touchdowns. He's had either 100 yards and a touchdown every single game. Actually, last week he had 100, almost 150 yards. This guy's a monster, and he's seeing massive, massive volume. I don't understand how you can't can't want him. You know what I mean? Like He's young. He can jump like a motherfucker, which is <laughs> – he can high point balls. 
Um, like we were talking about previously, we just hope that the coaching staff has taken some notes and given them the Zach Wilson. Hope Zach Wilson was been watching and seeing that you don't have to try to make the big throw every time. Uh, you can let your receivers kind of do the work after the fact. Uh, you can really rely on him. I'm hoping now that Zach Wilson truly sees him as a one and it's no longer um, a split up between Jamison Crowder getting some shitty targets and uh, if Denzel Mims ever plays. I don't know if he's ever going to see the light of day. Um, he plays very few and far between. But like I said, we got to see now if the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson can really truly connect. That's That was the connection that I was getting excited for previously in training camp. Uh, not even knowing how their connection was hyping up. I just knew that uh, Elijah Moore, I liked him coming out. And then the training camp buzz was happening. So I thought these guys could develop very well. I just hope that Zach Wilson can <laughs> – I just hope Zach Wilson can truly continue to develop and not – I don't know the right word to say this. I want to watch my words really carefully here before I get it. Play scared, really. I, I, Zach Wilson, it's almost like he's he's playing scared in the fact that like this is his last – it's going to be his last um, possession. You know what I mean? Like he, go, he goes for too many big play throws, I think. It doesn't just take what, what defenses give him. And so I'm hoping I'm hoping that continues, but that is in no way an effect on the talent that you've seen from Elijah Moore. You've seen it, you've definitely seen it now, and the coaching staff has seen it. And I am very confident that even though Zach Wilson is starting, Matt, that if he doesn't get it on track, I think that coaching staff will quickly, quickly go to the guys that are helping them win. Which at this point, I don't know, might be Joe Flacco. I don't think it's going to be Mike White because they don't want the controversy. And maybe they try to, de to develop Zach Wilson because not everybody needs to start right away either. That's another thing I don't like. Just because you take a shiny weapon in the top five round or top five picks, even if it is a quarterback, you don't have to play them right away. You don't. You don't. You have them. They're great. You got the fifth year option on them. That, that's awesome. They're a first round pick. You still get four years out of one if they sit for, sit for that for, for that first initial year. So maybe Zach needs a little bit of time to develop because let's be honest, this is not uh, this is not BYU. This is not college. College is a totally different animal. I don't care how good you are. There's always going to be an adjustment period when it comes from college where you're all amateurs to a to a sense, right? You're not well, now. I guess you're getting paid with the, with the NIL contracts. But now you're truly professionals. You're playing with the best of the fucking best. You're playing with guys that have been in this league for 10 years that have seen everything you're going to throw at them. Literally everything. You can't trick these guys, man. You can't trick these defensive coordinators to, to the T like, like you could in college and just you know play backyard ball. You need to have a game plan. You need to stick to the game plan. You need to... Be patient and and let it, and let it all develop. But <laughs> you're right. You are right, though. That 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 uh, Matt. Sorry, I'm reading this, but you are right. The Texans aren't anyone to be scared of, unless you're Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah it'll... <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, sorry, man. I think he's going to be a tutty going forward, especially dynasty. I think he's a tutty in, in season long too. Um, 
the like I was alluding to at T Higgins, the volume is there. The volume is there. Uh, and it'll eventually break open, which we've now seen in a nice four week sample where, where it's, where it's breaking open. So it's like we said with Deontay Johnson drops don't matter. It's a volume issue. He's getting the volume. The best players will always end up seeing that ball. He's seeing the ball. He's just, mm-hmm. he wasn't out producing a couple bums on his team. And that's neither here nor there, but he was consistently seeing the volume. The writing was on the wall that he was their one. And now everybody seems to be catching up to that. That wasn't already on Elijah Moore. Yep. Nope. I, I like it. Long story short. I, I like, yep. I'll leave the, uh, the, the rant to that. Um, I agree. Yeah, now I, I definitely agree on that on that point. And I mean, you probably could have got a king's ransom for him when the hype was there in the preseason. And if you hung on to him, well, you can probably get a king's ransom for him as he continues to improve. Um, the only thing I guess I would disagree on is the uh, the Jets not going with Zach Wilson. Even they don't care about wins at this point. It doesn't matter. They got two first round picks currently both sitting in the top 10 they're gonna go and they're gonna play whether they're winning or whether they're losing they're gonna play zach wilson because they gotta figure out what they got in him um so i think you'll see wilson as long as he's healthy as long as he can play and hopefully that connection can come between him and elijah moore um because there wasn't really a connection with anyone prior to his injury um davis periodically like it was frustrating to watch so hopefully, like you said, hopefully he plays maybe not necessarily scared or like it's his last snap, but maybe he'll play with more of a an NFL mindset. Like the idea that, you know, take what's given to you. It's worked for so many other quarterbacks in the past. Take what's given to you. Look at a guy like Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick. These guys didn't get where they got as pretty much perennial backups. Um with opportunities to start without taking what was given to them. And that would, and that is how they got to where they are and why they're good, why they continue to get paid year over year to step up sometimes and to step back sometimes. And so I agree with you on the, on the majority of the points there. And uh, I agree. He is a tutty hundred percent. He is a tutty. Um, and whatever happened during the preseason, obviously the hype was got out of control, but that's where you have to take things with a grain of salt, especially with guys like beat reporters, because beat reporters don't watch like a scout beat reporters. Don't watch like a fantasy football player beat reporters. Just watch what is happening on the field and report on it. So if a guy is mossing a guy constantly, he's probably going to make reference to that. And that'd be the main thing that he references over and over again about that same player. So we have to take that stuff with a grain of salt, but I definitely agree with you on that one, Jim, good choice, but probably someone who would be very expensive to go invest in and buy in right now. Um, He's always been expensive. He's always been the guy that drafted him, believed in him. They were, yeah, exactly. I believed yeah, in him. I drafted him and I got offers for him and he was shit. And I laughed him and declined him immediately. Uh, because he was a guy I wanted. Uh a couple when I when I did end up trading him, it was in preseason when I got literally an arm and a leg for him, and I could get out before ever seeing anything. And and I'm happy with it, but I, I do wish I still had him on, on those teams. But take what take what you can. Yep. Some, well. Sometimes you, you see you win some, you lose some. It's how the fantasy world goes. Hopefully you just get the return you want or that you sent away what you were comfortable sending away. Um, Absolutely. 
Shifting into Tadio Mari, I kind of mentioned to him, you uh, wanted to talk Taylor Heineke and uh, I wanted to talk Antonio Gibson. So we're going to combine the two together. Taylor Heineke, the big, quite the underlying question here that you have is, is he going to stay a starter? So let's start with Taylor Heineke. Has he played his way into a starting role? I'm going to say no. I, I feel like you may be on the flip side of this, but I'm going to say no. I think this is a guy who's like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a journeyman. He's a perennial backup. He's a guy who can step up when things get tough. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of work to be done in Washington. Um, and I don't think Taylor Heineke is the answer. So if you're still holding, holding on to him, there's a good chance that you can probably attempt to get out from under him. But there's no true, no real value to me in Taylor Heineke, especially in in dynasty leagues, even in superflex leagues. I mean, I'd have to look, but I don't know exactly where he is. But he's probably outside the top twelve, wide, top twelve quarterbacks, probably closer to the middle of the QB two tier. So to me, he he's muddy. I'd I'd get out from under him. I I would have no interest in in doing much with with Taylor Heineke, and I think he's going to be out of a job here eventually. It's just where will Washington pick and what will they invest? What position will they invest in? And when will they choose to make the jump at the quarterback position? Um, what about you, Jim? What do you, what do you think on the Taylor Heineke? Front? Uh, I think he's a tutty. Um, I think this 2022 class is kind of weak. I think there's been rumors swirling that even though none of them should be really high draft picks in the first round, that there's going to be at least three to four of them that are taken. And I could probably tell you uh, at least four starting quarterbacks right now that I would rather have Taylor Heineke over. So yeah, I think he's, let me ask you this question. Who has a better shot at being a starting quarterback next year, Taylor Heineke or Jalen Hurts? Um, I'm going with Taylor Heineke solely for the fact that if they choose to move on from Jalen Hurts at this point, I think it would be for the circumstance of Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or like a true massive upgrade. And I don't know. I don't want to believe any of the rumors that they might be considering drafting a quarterback, but I think Jalen Hurts is definitely playing himself into a job. But if I had to choose at this point, there's just no indications that Washington is in the quarterback market, whereas that's not necessarily true about Philadelphia. But that's not to say that they won't suddenly move into that market. So let me ask you this question. If you were a Jalen Hurts owner, would you be willing to flip him for Taylor Heineke plus in a Superflex? Considering that the plus should be hefty? P yes, potentially. If you have enough quarterbacks that you feel safe, or if you have a couple other quarterbacks on roster and you feel safe, sure. But I don't what know. What if it's Taylor Heineke and a late first round pick for Jalen Hurts? Late first in 2020. And you have, and you have no other really QBs to really roll with it. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could because oh, I feel like day. I, would I feel like Jalen Hurts will be a part of a deal that would get him in a position to potentially start again because you got Gardner Minshew in Philadelphia. I just, I don't know. I I couldn't do it. What if though they draft a quarterback and like we said a couple weeks ago, um, he becomes the perennial backup to say a Deshaun Watson, 
and then you get the worst of both. I would take that deal in a heartbeat because I believe Taylor Heineke is one going to start in 2022 more than I believe Jalen Hurts is going to start in 2022. And two, even if he doesn't, I'll take that draft pick and I will draft somebody regardless and I will trade them with with that draft pick and get more out more out from it um regardless of the quarterback situation i'm taking that because i do i do believe for sure that he's got a better chance at, at starting well i i like it i i i can i like it i get it um but for me i don't know i don't know i couldn't i couldn't do it i could not do it so um but then Antonio Gibson, we'll move into Antonio Gibson. Um, so Antonio Gibson. Hey, yo, me, you see this stuff in the comments real quick? I do. I do. I'm not going to bring it up like live, but like you see this? <laughs> I got it. I covered it. Um, Thank you. And so Antonio Gibson for me, it, it he's starting to come around. But the, the issue for me is like I still see him as a tutty, but – it's like a really skeptical Tuddy at this point because he's not seeing any of the passing work. He's not getting any of the receiving work, the PPR work that you like to see. Over the last couple of weeks, he had 19 and 24 carries, but he only saw, I think, three targets total. Um, so it's a skeptical one. But what what are your thoughts on Gibson? Because it feels like they it feels like whatever the injury was, he's over the injury because you would not give a guy or he's very close to over because you wouldn't give the guy 19 and 24 carries in back-to-back weeks if there was still concerns about the health. So what are your thoughts? Muddy, very muddy. This is a time right now where I think all he's done is kick up mud at the bottom. You know, like when you, when you jump into the lake at the first part when you're running in and you kick up all that sand while you're getting through nice and deep. I think that's all he's done. It's just muddy the waters there with two massive workloads back to back and people probably thinking that he is back, that he is the CMC light. Get rid of him. I think this is your opportune time with the trade deadline happening. He put up two big workload weeks right when you needed him to. This is your opportune sell high time if you were trying to get out from him, and I haven't. So, no, I think he's totally muddy. It's unfortunate, too, because th- this past week was proof. I, If I'm not mistaken, he finished outside the top 24 or low, like very low finish um, because he had 94 yards, but that was it. He had no catches. He had no touchdowns. So he literally dropped you 9.4 points, and that was it. So he was on the tail end of the QB2s. To me, it's just like, ah, oh man, if he can't get that PPR work back in, but I agree with you. He needs to get. He needs to either get the receptions or people need to start considering heavily selling the guy, especially because of the situation in Washington. I think it's a really muddy situation in that offense altogether. Look at the situation with Terry McLaurin. Logan Thomas is coming back, but he, he's he been kind of volatile as well. Um, it makes it really difficult to figure out what to do with certain pieces. And we know that the window with 
running backs are so short that you don't want to be sitting there saying, well, let's see how things go over the next two or three years, because if you're waiting, then your window's closing tighter and tighter because no one's going to trade for uh, a, a running back who's 26 or, or 27 and or going into that big second contract year. Um, so, ah, man, I kind of agree with you in the muddy circumstance there because it's more about the muddy situation in Washington and how long do you want to wait on having that running back there. Um, and, of course, everyone got hyped about, you know, the CMC role and we everyone was so excited that he was going to get it and immediately he had issues with injuries and he could never really take off in the CMC role like people wanted to. Um, so that is enough on Gibson. Um, we'll move into DK Metcalf. I brought up, I bring up DK Metcalf because this is another extremely muddy situation in, in, uh, in Seattle and with Russell Wilson and the rumors are starting again and Pete Carroll, is he going to have a job next year? Like it's getting crazy. Um, there, um, so for DK Metcalf owners who probably drafted him as a top 10 wide receiver, things aren't necessarily so pretty. He's a wide receiver, 16 in PPR, only managed a top 24 finish five times this season, four of those top 12 back to back finishes as sub wide receiver 50. Um, is he still a tutty or do you think that he's starting to become muddy in, in dynasty Jim? No, nah, man, he's he's a tutty. He's a tutty. Listen, Russell Wilson rushed his back. He came back at the earliest possible time. I don't expect him to be playing at nearly um, 100%. I think he probably could have sat for a little bit longer and let it go. But you know what makes me really mad? I'm going to tell you what makes me really, really mad. When was DK Metcalf drafted? Do you remember? It was. Do you remember uh, exactly what pick it was? Second round, right? It was totally the second round. High second round, right? Eight wide receivers went before him. The Chiefs selected Miko Harvin with pick 56. (laughs) DK Metcalf was selected at pick 64. But that's not even what hurts, okay? You reach for Miko Harvin. I, I argued with the guy, and he goes, yeah, but you got Miko. Do you know the Chiefs had pick 63 in that draft? And they passed on him again? <laughs> Did you know that? Literally, the pick before DK Metcalf. I mean, I love the guy. I think he's an intricate part of what can be on the defense, and that's Juan Thornhill. But, um, yeah, Chiefs had two shots at him. Listen, I've been living with the you guys took Rager over Justin Jefferson for for far too long already, and it's only been a year. But um, yeah, for me, I mean, it, it hurts because of where people invested in him, but he is likely still going to be a tutty and he's going to be the favorite target of whatever quarterback ends up at the reins in 2022. So I definitely wouldn't be too worried, uh, too worried about that situation. Um, but here's a situation I would be worried about: the Buffalo Bills running back room and Matt Breida's recent involvement. So just to say, Matt Breida played 12% snaps in Week One, 3% snaps in Week Two. Did not see any snaps up until Week Ten, and then last week was the lead back 
for fantasy purposes in Buffalo on 32% snap share. Devin Singletary, 38, and Zach Moss, 29%. Oh, that's ugly. Um, So I just said this went from zero to negative 100 real quick. The Bills offense has been struggling, which is worse for a running back room that has produced five top 24 performances between three different running backs. There was fair warning not to touch this backfield all offseason, especially with the likely high passing percentage. They are all meh with Moss providing mostly touchdown upside. Um, are you continuing to avoid or, or what are your thoughts? That whole backfield? Yeah. Um, I, I get the talent. Make- let, let's see. I get the talent with, with, with uh, Moss, Zach Moss, but can you trust <laughs> that it's going to look at the snapshots and snap breakdowns? It's, it's ugly. And like you would think that if Zach Moss had the talent, would he not be the guy getting 40, 50, starting to see more and climbing up more? You would think so. You would totally fucking think so, wouldn't you? Um, the worst part is the one guy you never thought to that you'd have to even worry about would be Matt Breida. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's killing me. I thought I'd only have to worry about Singletary, but now I have to worry about Breida. What's happening? Um, which is crazy because the other thing that I always uh, said too was 49ers should have kept Brita. Mm-hmm. I said, you had the guy, you had the guy right there in, in, in your backfield and Matt Brita, but it is what it is. Yes, Matt, the primary bills running back to own is Josh Allen. That is totally true. Um, <laughs> Even though he hasn't been really running as much like, no, but he's going to be the guy you want. 100%, 100%. It's just so, it's such a crazy circumstance. You look at week five, Zach Moss, 74% of snaps. Week six, he had 55. Week eight, he had 64. And then suddenly he had that massive drop and he was at 28, 48, 29. Like I just, it's such a muddy situation. So it, to for for dynasty purposes, I'm saying muddy. Um, I don't think I'd want to own any shares there. I think you want to own the pass attack because they've shown that they're willing and, and going to go to the air over and over and over again. The positive game script, negative game script, neutral game script, up 20, down 20. They're going to just Knox. go to the air. <laughs> Dawson Knox too. There's Dawson Knox. Gabriel Davis is getting involved again. Emmanuel Sanders took the backseat. There's Cole Beasy. There's Stefan Diggs. How can you not be enticed by some of those names instead? Um, and la- uh, are we lastly? No. Yes, we are lastly. So this is something that I've kind of had the discussion with in the past, uh, the past couple weeks, and I've seen a lot more people praising the zero RB strategy and stuff and drafting. Um, is your strategy for drafting running backs going forward shifting? The cutoff for 10 points or more this week, wide receiver 31, RB 18, tight end 14. Obviously, this isn't happening every week. There's been en- The injuries have been really bad. You got to take into account bye weeks, uh, game scripts, weather, etc. But the running back dead zone has been seemingly absurdly real this season. Um what are your thoughts on the strategy? Like, is it is it starting to look like get one of the top 12 guys and then, like, kind of be more patient with the running back position? 
Well, like I'm not talking zero RB completely. But. Yeah, I get you. Let me ask a quick question. I know we're a dynasty show, but does this show pertain to dynasty or is this show pertain to season long? Because my thought processes on this are two very, very different. Let's start with let's start with dynasty. This is a dynasty show, so let's dynasty. Kind of, kind I like to build my teams around uh, wide receivers. I like to buy or draft young stud wide receivers high-end quarterbacks or core and then quarterback secondary quarterbacks that have jobs for super flex because i think they are valuable and then once i have those pieces in place i like in dynasty specifically i like to so say i like to build a team say i ended up getting a team with the guys like uh stefan diggs deontay johnson jerry judy t higgin or jamar chase um just like good young wide receivers now i got that stacked up core maybe i got a guy like mac jones uh maybe a ryan Tannehill because he was a guy you could get a little later a kirk cousins maybe um that it was a, a depressed super flex option but he's doing quite well for you now i have those pieces set up in place last year i would have hammered my running back in my draft i would have just hammered it over and over and over again or I would have took those high-end pieces of high-end draft picks and I would have traded for them. Now, I've been in two leagues this year where I did two completely different builds in my dynasty. And one was how I just mentioned to you where I pieced together and drafted very well in the wide receiver and quarterback room and kind of punted running back, not expecting to compete the first year. Traded a lot of my quarterbacks throughout the year to players for first rounds and, and second rounds. And then the next year, um, dra- I traded all my first round picks for established running backs who are not going to be in the league for five, six years or anything like that. Not new. I know what they are. I know they might be declining assets a little bit. Um you know what I mean? Like uh, like your Derrick Henry's and, and stuff like that. But like they're still high-end pieces, very, very high-end pieces. But like there's there's issues with them possibly breaking down. Um, and I'm set that way. And then there was another league where I drafted a little differently where I ended up through trades, had guys like um, Melvin Gordon, Joe Mixon. I had like one high-end running back out of the deal in there and Jonathan Taylor and then really nothing to do in my wide receiver room. So I ended up having a lot of picks. And the funny thing is that these leagues are very mirrored. Both, I think that 10 out of the 12 guys are the same in this league. So I went the other way. I had a lot of running backs because that's the way the draft ended up playing out. And then I took throughout the season, again, traded my quarterbacks when I could, had ample draft pick strategy. And then I went out and traded for Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, and well, I'll bring it up. But three stud wide receivers I, I ended up picking. I traded first and seconds for them. And that's you know what what had to be done and had to be paid. Just let me bring it up real quick. I'm sorry for everybody that's that's uh that's waiting on this just real quick. You bring it up, you bring it up. Uh it was I ended up trading for Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs. And where is he on the bench? Justin Jefferson. I gave an arm and a leg for Justin Jefferson, but I ended up going into that draft with a lot of draft picks and making zero picks in that draft. Cause I traded them all for what I thought was the core piece 
which is wide receivers on my on my thing. I mean, I took a little bit of hit with Diggs this year. Mm. But in that league, I am currently 16 and 6 because it's also a median league. So I'm, I'm doing quite well. You know what I mean? I ended up working. I'm going to make the playoffs, and I have a good chance at pushing it. So there's two different strategies you can go with that in Dynasty. But in season long, no, it hasn't changed my outlook at all. Season long, mm-hmm. I hit running backs, and I hit them hard. Doesn't matter. It's one year. It's a volatile Agreed. position. Hit with injuries, as we've all seen. And you, if you hit, ready? If you hit on those running backs, like, uh, sorry again for the rant. I'm going to bring up my Scott Fishbowl team real quick here as a as an example because that is the best example I can bring up where it's season long. So in that, I ended up getting my running backs were like Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift. Now, David Montgomery got hurt a little bit. That's fine. I had the other running backs to carry me. Now, Aaron Jones is hurt now. While David Montgomery comes back, it's fine. I still have the core amount of running backs to help me. And it didn't really hurt me because then I hit the wide receiver sweet spot in 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 a season long, which I think is like round seven, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Those are like, I want to hit as many wide receivers in those four or five rounds as I possibly can. And on those team, and th- that particular team, I have. Well, he's getting dropped, but Jamal Agnew because he's on IR. Uh, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Rager, Kadarius Tony. Now Jalen Rager hasn't hit. Jamal Agnew's going on IR, so he's getting dropped. And Jerry Judy got hurt, but Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Darnell Mooney have been have been coasting me for this. So you can find a little bit more leeway on the waiver wire. My example with that is Jamal Agnew. He was a waiver wire ad mm-hmm. um, where it's a lot harder to find a starting starting running back on the waiver in season long. So I want to hoard those running backs in season long. So I don't think the dead zones really hit there yet. I still want um, big name RBs because even in season long, even if they're having a kind of a bad game or a bad season, a couple, a couple of weeks, they don't really lose that massive trade value because a lot of people I've noticed that are playing season long actually treat it like dynasty when it Mm -hmm. comes to like the trade value which is like really really weird to me and i'm sometimes i am guilty of it too because i play in a lot more dynasty leagues and season long leagues like i actually got an offer and i first scoffed at it thinking it was a dynasty league and then had to do some double checking and realize it was season long but i got offered jd mckissick for javante williams and again even a season long i eventually said no but it made a little bit more sense with with uh, the split backfield in season long in Denver and then the injury to Gibson where you saw McKissick seeing an uptick in, in, in usage. So it did, it wasn't as bad of a deal, but like dynasty, I'm never going to take that. So mm-hmm. no season long. No, I'm still hammering running backs, but this is a dynasty show. So in dynasty, no, I like to particularly trade for my running backs or set up my team to build when I don't mind losing one year or two years, not being competitive in it to build my, set core of guys and then add my running back for like a three-year competitive window. You know what I mean? Cause like, mm-hmm. I think your I think your wide receivers can be competitive for four five, six years. Whereas your running back, you have really a two year, maybe three year window on them before things start slamming shut. Example is Barkley, CMC, Dalvin cook. Those are like three big guys that you're watching their windows start to slowly close on them. They're elite for what two, three years. 
unbelievable. CMC had a, a massive run of three years. Now you're starting to see him break down, starting to see him not put up the points that you need him to do constantly. And I think that window might be shutting. So that that's that's my particular strategy. Again, I apologize for ranting. I'm sure nobody missed this last week. Nobody. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, no, but I, I completely agree. Obviously, in, in season long, it doesn't change because you have to continue to ride with the running backs because they're vitally important in that single year. Um, but whereas Dynasty, not so much. I mean, like you said, you can trade for them. You can move. There's a lot more movable pieces moving at all times. There's a lot more trading and wheeling and dealing and getting yourself positioned in dynasty than there is in that one year season long where your window is literally get to the trade deadline and boom, it's done. Your window is very short to, to make things happen and to make sure your team's there. Um, so I completely agree with you there. Um, I mean, the running back dead window, dead zone obviously exists and, and we, we see it, but I don't think it's something that you have to live by. You have to kind of build your team the best that works for you. Um, and with some guys who you know might be – because you're looking, like you said, you're looking two or you're looking three years out in Dynasty. So you have to be careful in that regard because you want to make sure that you're you're getting someone who's going to help you for that time period, not that you're going to be waiting on for three years as a running back. So I definitely agree with you on that point. Um, but now, Jim, a word from our sponsors, please. Here at the Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here, means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family. A family of the Fantasy Collective. And that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best, to tracking your order, to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. VeridianGlobal.com Love it. Now, I've been promoting this all day, so it's time to get to it. It is a banana feast, I'm calling it. Because Jim is uh, going bananas with all three games in the very not so appealing um, slate that we have yeah. American Thanksgiving. But fire away, Jim. <laughs> all right. So first up, we're going to Matt Nagy's potentially last coach game in Chicago against Detroit. It's in Detroit, actually, I think. No? Yeah. I think, yeah. We're going um we're going 1.5 tutties. We're going DeAndre Swift. We're going the return of David Montgomery. And because we're gonna throw one more guy in there, and he has had a massive, massive target share. Might have blown up and sent you to the moon last week. That's Darnell Moneybag Mooney. Those are my three for that particular game. Love Connor, it. Do you uh, do you like that that particular selection? That's a good one. I like I like that one, especially because I can definitely see it being that type of ground game, where there's a lot of leaning on Swift and a lot of leaning on Montgomery. So I like it. Next, we're going 
into the Dallas Cowboys and the Las Vegas Raiders. What says American Thanksgiving more than the Dallas Cowboys plan? I'll tell you, only having one of them on your slate and maybe ended up switching them if he doesn't end up playing. He's on the injury report, but the first guy I'm going with, he's on the injury report all week. He went up last week uh, a little bit hobbled when he got rolled up on. He's been dealing with a knee injury. That's Ezekiel Elliott. Might end up switching him. I'll let you know if he doesn't practice tomorrow. I'll end up switching that to Tony Pollard because there is no Amari Cooper. I doubt you're going to see CD Lamb. We've talked about this a little bit behind the scenes where some people think he might be because the NFL runs ulterior motives. But anyway. I think Zeke a, practiced today too, though. He so. did. He did. He yep. did practice today. So right now we're going to Ezekiel Elliott. On the other side of that spectrum, who do you really trust when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders? There's one guy that comes to mind to me. Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller. <laughs> Connor, you nailed the two right there. Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Those guys are rounding up the selection this week with 1.5 tutties on the ground. I believe you can get that probably from Waller. But again, Hunter Renfro is a sneaky, sneaky ad this week. Sneaky, sneaky ad. If you need a waiver wire guy and you're not, been reading articles. I haven't even checked out Matt's article yet. But if he doesn't have Hunter Renfro on there, I'm throwing him out there for you. Go grab Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you got one okay. more? I do have one more. And that's the last game of the night. That is the loss, or sorry, the New Orleans Saints and the Buffalo Bills. Now with this one, again, he popped up on the injury report after I made this selection. So uh, we're going to hope that the Buffalo Bills side gets it done here. we got two Bills. we got one New Orleans Saint. Might not even play on the game. But <laughs> we got Stefan Diggs. we got Dawson Knox, 1.5 TDs. If he ends up playing again, I might have to, I might have to switch this because he banged up on the injury report again. Mark Ingram. But again, there's been rumors that Mark Ingram might not play on Thursday as he missed the practice today along with Alvin Kamara. So you might be rolling on, and here's another sleeper pick on your waiver wire, Dwayne Washington. <laughs> um, yeah, but if, if he ends up playing, uh, I think it's a smash game right there. And I think you can get that solely on Knox and Diggs alone, really. But um, Stay tuned because I'll end up posting this before the Thanksgiving turkey games. And uh, if it ends up switching, I'll end up having to switch out Zeke for Pollard. But I think Zeke's going to be good. The one that I'm actually really concerned about is going to be Mark Ingram. But he popped mm -hmm. up after he made the selections. And yep. uh, I think we're looking pretty good. I love it. So make sure you go over to monkeyknifefight.com and use that promo code TNFF at your first uh, sign up and deposit and they will match up to $50 of your deposit. So make sure you go and do that right now and join Jim. And I was actually going to say that about to, to you when you said uh, Renfro, go get him. So wow. 80% Matt, roster. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Holy well, shit. The, the window. So he was giving everybody a safe floor. So if you were watching, like he was giving you a safe, like 10 point floor, literally every week. I think what would I know spiked, I got him in a lot of leagues. <laughs> I think what would have really spiked him was the rugs incident. As soon your window to get him off a waiver wire, like 50 ish percent ownership, probably slammed shut when the news came out about rugs 
and he was really well, got Brian Edwards people. donuts happening too, right? So like, that probably he, yeah, that help. doesn't help. But but if you were sitting there thinking about Brian Edwards, we I think we've been talking about Renfro a few times on this show where we said that it's him, it's him, and it's Waller pretty much. Yep. And then um, I always make the joke that he'll probably sell you a used car or a car insurance. It's not a really good joke now that Henry Ruggs <laughs> and probably needs car insurance. But. Oh, that is brutal. Oh, man. Um, all right. So into gold and fool's gold to wrap it up here. Um, I'll start off with my quarterback gold, and that is Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. The Vikings are giving up the most points to quarterbacks over the last five weeks at a 28.7 average. Many of their games have been back and forth shootouts. The winning team has put up 25 plus in four of their last five games, and all the games ended within one score. Debo has been amazing, as we all know. Ayuk is finding his 2020 self, and Kittle is doing Kittle things. Shockingly, over the last five weeks, the 49ers have been very inconsistent and banged up, ranking 23rd in fantasy points, leading to Jimmy going to the air a little more, and we saw that last week um, where Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo all had fairly decent games. Fool's gold. Ryan Tannehill against the New England Patriots. The Patriots defense has been stout. They've only allowed 13.2 points per game to quarterbacks in the last five weeks, 18.1 on the season. Only four quarterbacks have achieved over 20 points. Three teams have more interceptions and touchdowns, and that's the Pats being one of them. Um, so that's touchdowns allowed to just a quarterback position. And Tannehill has really been a low-end one, high-end two, with many forgettable games. His weapons are really banged up, and this is not the defense you want to challenge with a banged-up offense. Um, so, what do you? Any thoughts there in the uh, quarterback room, there, Jim? Well, I am. I'm with you with Ryan Tannehill. I don't know about Jimmy G, man. I just got a feeling like he's going going to pumpkin eventually. And I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it's just me uh, not liking the Jimmy G right now. But, yeah, no, those, those are absolutely fantastic. I like, I've like. i already said I like to stay away from – I like to stay away from gold and fool's gold because I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get your opinion just in case you got something to add. But we're into the running back rooms. We talked about him as being kind of money, but I like this the matchup too much. Antonio Gibson against the Seattle Seahawks. Two teams are allowing 30-plus points to the running back on average. That's the New York Jets and the Seattle Seahawks. Unfortunately, as much as I love to pick team people against the Jets, it's Houston, and I don't really trust any of the running backs. Um, you can't tell me you have undoubtedly played Gibson and been happy. He's been terribly inconsistent and banged up throughout this season. He's seen limited pass work, which hurts, especially in the PPR uh, department, but back-to-back -back 19 and then 24 carry games is a major positive that he's feeling much better. They are giving up the majority, the Seattle Seahawks are giving up the majority of the points to receiving backs, which does give me a bit of pause. So maybe if you have J.D. McKissick, toss him in there as well. But Antonio Gibson, as we've seen it before, touchdowns have saved him, and I think he will be saved by touchdowns this week against Seattle. Um, fool's goal for me, Josh Jacobs against the Dallas Cowboys. Jacobs has been very overly volatile. He's just very meh. Uh, most took him in the dead zone, and they're seeing why he was there. 
Um, the offense in Vegas hasn't looked the same since Ruggs' incident and release, um, and they're struggling to open up the field, which is definitely hurting them in the pat in the rushing game, which we saw last week. The Dallas's defense against running backs has been up and down, but the last five weeks have been top five in the league. So I got Josh Jacobs at fool's gold. Anything you want to add on the uh, running back front, Jim? I hate Josh Jacobs. I don't understand why people were even on him. And I don't even like like his countermate either, like Kenyon Drake. I don't like anything to do with that backfield. It's nasty. It's rank. Oh, um, yeah. No. I did, I'm disagreeing agree. with you on Gibson this week. Uh, I don't – I – you said you're, you think he's going to get in the end zone? Yes. And that's gonna, then that's going to save his fantasy value? Yes. Do you think he's going to put up another 95 yards? I can see it. I can definitely see it against this defense. Have you watched the Seattle Seahawks and this defense? It's putrid. Putrid. <laughs> um, can I can I see it? Definitely. I just think there's probably other different. I just think there's probably other different options out there that have better better floors for you that aren't just smash play accepts. I'm not saying that he is a smash play. Cause I know that's what we try to stay away from is, is the mm-hmm. obvious, the Johnny Taylors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, exactly. Um, it, it, it was tough. I took a good look around. The matchups are really weird this week. There's some wonky matchups, especially for fantasy purposes. So it, it's been a tough pull to get these names. Uh, but into the wide receiving room. We go, and I'm stacking Jimmy G with his uh, mate, Debo Samuel, and I put Brandon Ayuk. I put them both. You can start either of them if you have them against Minnesota. Minnesota did have a three-game spell against Cleveland, Detroit, and Carolina where wide receivers didn't have over 15 points against them. What a surprise. Outside of those weeks, a team's top wide receiver cracked 15 points in all seven other weeks. Six cracked 20 points. In total, 12 wide receivers have managed 15 points. This includes four weeks with at least two per opposing team. I alluded to the rest above with Samuel and Ayuk. Samuel's been top 24 in seven of 10 weeks, top 30 in nine of 10. He's only had 15 points or less two times. And Ayuk has had two top 10 finishes in the last three weeks. Uh, Fool's goal for me. Um, I think I took him in this spot last week. So I'm rolling back in with Michael Pittman. The Bucks secondary started out allowing four straight weeks of 15 plus points to a team's wide receiver one. The last six weeks, only one wide receiver has achieved such number against them. In the last six weeks, only four wide receivers have even achieved 10 or more fantasy points at the position. Pittman struggled to get involved last week against Bill's secondary, and he's now missed the 15-point mark in back-to-back weeks. Things could be similar this week against a much-improved Tampa Bay secondary. Um, Anything you want to add there, Jim? Uh, I believe that Michael Pittman is actually going to be rolling this week. I think, if anything, they're going to be heavily focused on stopping JT and not getting slammed for five touchdowns, and it's going to reopen up that passing game. So... Whew. <laughs> uh, that's the only one I disagree on there, but that's just because I also have a, an affinity for, for Michael Pittman and uh, Micah Pittman as well, who hit the transfer portal. 
I like it. I like it. Uh, tight end. I know you're going to love this one, Jim. I got you covered. Gold, Pat Fryermuth against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are the second worst team in the last five weeks. Three of five weeks allowing 10 plus. Two of five allowing 15 plus points to the tight end. Pat lost some touches to Ebron, and in, in, a, in, in a typical FU fashion, Ebron got hurt. He still finished <laughs> with uh, Pat still finished with a four eleven and one line, so the touchdown saved him big time, and but still managed six plus targets for a fifth straight game. Firemuth has had ten plus points in four or five weeks and was a top twelve tight end in three of those weeks. Can't go wrong in that uh, matchup. And Fool's Gold, Mike Gesicki against the Carolina Panthers. Carolina's defense has been fairly strong most of the season. Over the last five weeks, six teams are giving up 10 points or less to tight ends, Carolina being one of them. Gesicki has proven a very tough play to trust with two goose eggs on the board, six games under 10 and only four games over 15. Obviously, at the tight end position, you know, eight points could get you as a top 12 tight end, but I'm looking for better. Uh, the last time Gesicki saw the top 12 was in week seven. Since then, three of those four games were against teams ranking 10th or worst against the tight end position. So avoid, avoid, avoid Mike Gesicki and that volatility. Jim, anything you want to add beyond the love you're probably going to spew for Pat Fryermuth? You said we couldn't talk about him today. <laughs> yeah, here we are. It's fucking awesome. I said I not mean. in tutty or muddy, but when you get this golden matchup like this and Eric Ebron's likely going to miss, everything is going that way for, in the tight Absolutely. end room. Absolutely it is. And this is a tough division matchup where Pittsburgh needs to win this to keep it rolling, to keep tight with, with the Ravens and, and actually overtake, I believe, right now in the wild card position, Cincinnati. I think there's two AFC North teams and two AFC East teams that are making up that playoff picture with New England, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. And I think Pittsburgh's not only going to make it into the playoffs, I think they're going to make a push for that division lead. And I actually think they're going to go to the AFC Championship. Um, this has been I like it. I, I like it. I, I just not, I, we can call it a hot take, but at the end of the day, the only saving grace is just don't, as long as Ben doesn't go to the air like deep. Because it is I said, pretty gross to watch. Preseason, I've been I've been on record saying that I believe the AFC Championship game is going to be uh, Pittsburgh Buffalo, and the NFC Championship game was going to be Arizona and Tampa Bay. I said that preseason week two. I love I love Muth, and all I want to add though, real quick, those are all great points agenda putting out. But what people might not see on that stat line of four eleven and one is with six targets. Was when did those targets come? At least three of them came on third down. Ben looked straight to Pat on third down. When he needed to get that third down conversion, he went to Fryermuth. I think I it was like three it. times out of the six. For sure it was two. Because um, my kids were he running trust him. Sure thing hands. He trusts him. He does him. trust him. And like I was saying, when he got drafted, he reminds me eerily what Ben has been missing, and that was Heath Miller. You remember how confident – I mean, Antonio Brown was blowing up during those times, but Heath Miller – was his security blanket. Heath Miller was the guy on third down that he would go to. Heath Miller was the guy that he would throw to in double coverage in the end zone on a short, on a short play. Um, 
And that's what you're kind of seeing developing with, with Pat Fryermuth. He's he's looking at him in short area yardage in, in the end zone. He's looking for him on third downs. Now, while the target share might not be huge, um, it is very significant. It's it's coming during opportune times. It's coming during high high leverage times. Matt, I wouldn't offer too high of a pick for him. What I'd actually be doing to get Muth would be trying to flip a tight end that is as a perceived higher value than Muth uh, for him. Because in Dynasty, I really, really like him. I'd be trying to move a guy. Man, I don't even Throw know. Throw a name. Throw a name. What about Logan Thomas? Would you move Logan Thomas? <laughs> Logan Thomas, maybe Irv Smith. There's another guy that I would I no. maybe even be. Jim, I love don't Herb. tell me. You I love, love Irv. Herb. Now you're I moving do. to the Muth. I love Merv. I love Irv as much as I love Firemuth. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like, as of right now, Irv isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. But Firemuth can. So I can see that lateral move. So you don't have to give up as significant of a pick. Maybe all oh, owner as Kelsey and Gasecki. Well, this might be a bad week for you to end up getting him because Kelsey has the bye week. And uh, Gasecki is a fool gold right now this week. So this guy might not even, this guy might be paying attention to the show and be like, oh shit, I can't roll Gasecki. I got the gold tight end though in this situation in Fryermuth. So this might not actually be a good time for you to end up doing this. But actually, Gasecki would have been a good option too because he's popped mm. a few times this year that and he's a guy that I don't believe in. But long term, I do believe in Fryermuth. So there'd be another guy. I'd be, I, I'm the guy that looks to, to trade unilaterally almost where it's perceived unilateral move. But to me, it's not, I perceive it as a small upgrade. Most it people all don't. depends on how you value and how you see certain players. Everybody exactly. See it differently. Exactly. Everybody sees it differently. So like I said, what I like to do is what is perceived as a league unilateral move. I see it as a slight upgrade in the long game, but that's me like it. right I now. Don't... I think you'd have to give up a high second. I think to get him. I feel like it has to be, if you're talking round pick, it's definitely a second. No doubt it's going to have to be a second. So, and that's a little too high for me to invest in a tight end because in the second round pick, like you could get Fryer, you can get a tight end like Fryer move in the third round of a rookie draft pick. I think, yeah, I think he went in that ballpark last year. Fryer exactly. was like end of the second, start of the third in most. So, exactly. So, I'm looking to like, you know, a Bob Tanya and a Logan Thomas and Irv Smith. Logan Thomas in a fourth. That's that's a perfect offer right there, Matt. That's a perfect offer because the perceived value is Logan Thomas. You might have to move it up to a third, but the perceived value is Logan Thomas is going to have more long-term value than Muth, which I don't think he does. He's already a little older. And then the guy's also getting the draft pick. Now, if you bumped it up to a third, I think that gets smash accepted. No problems. But you also might have to maybe even switch the position because you said he has Kelsey and he has Gasecki. So it's almost a luxury option with Fryermuth. It's almost like, you know, he had Gasecki and Fryermuth figuring out which one he would have to roll with if Kelsey got hurt or a bye week. And maybe, maybe, one- maybe he's like the Atlanta Falcons and they want that luxury pick, even though they couldn't have afforded to take it. <clears throat> Cop pits. Maybe. <clears throat> So I'd be looking also at it at his roster too. Again, I understand this is roster dependent because you might have a piece that you don't need. You're not even playing them uh, like say an extra running back or a low end wide receiver who's still putting up 10, 15 points a week. Like even a Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. Um, 
dynasty a dynasty move like that i don't mind that either I yeah if think, i had I like think, renfro or like you know some... i think renfro straight up for fucking fryer move i think you get something added to fryer move if anything i think you get the third yeah right they definitely give the perceived higher value at the wide receiver position yeah and try and get a little something back i like it i like it well jim we are up over the hour mark um so we are gonna shut this party down (laughs) um but uh, as always thank you for joining us make sure you rate review subscribe like wherever you're listening we take your feedback very seriously we will do our very best uh for whatever you may say to us in a review so let us know how we're doing show us some love or some hate whatever you want to do uh follow me on twitter at connor 10 t-e-n follow jim at gold jacket qbs on twitter as well next week is week 13 boys we are going to be talking about the playoffs they're right around the corner um so definitely join us again next week as we talk week 13 um Make sure you check out True North Fantasy Football, truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, and the TNFF Network on YouTube. Um, you can find uh, Matt's waiver wire piece, and you will be able to find my starter sit piece. If those eight names weren't enough, I give you 10 more names on uh, Thursday morning. Uh, so for now, thank you so much, and we will see you all next Tuesday. This is a beginning point.